Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. I'm Chris. He is Mr. Blake Tollefson, and we are going to be talking our five hot topics for this week. And we have uh, the Wisconsin fishing opener this weekend, Minnesota opener next weekend. And Blake, you recently put together an article for the guys over on the Markham blog about just preparing for fishing openers. Uh, give us an idea of what that was all about. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> really the first step, obviously you want to get everything organized and prepared. You know, you want to make sure you have your rods rigged. You want to make sure they're, they're, you know, the reels are strung up with the right line types. You want to make sure you have all your tackle organized, make sure you have your life jackets, your updated registration. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about more like the scouting aspect. You know, if you're able to get out before opener, there's some things you can do. Uh, but just a reminder, check the regulations before you go. Those things change every year. Um, sometimes they might not change for 10 years, but then this is the year that things changed. So just keep an eye on those. Make sure you know what's going on in the body water that you're going to fish. Um, and then when it comes to scouting, if you don't have time to get out ahead of time, rely on the online resources. There are tons of online resources now. Obviously, social media is a super useful tool. People post stuff on there that surprises us all sometimes. So you can find out some pretty good information there. Uh, check out old fishing reports, you know, your lake links and things like that. Uh, your outdoor news fishing reports. Go and look through the historic ones. Um, you might not have up-to-date information just because, obviously, people probably haven't been fishing as much. But you can go look back at the opener time frame for the last five, ten years. And then hopefully that will help you build a pattern. Um, other things, look at articles, like especially if you're fishing a big body of water, whether it's Mille Lacs, Winnie, Lake of the Woods, something like that. There's going to be information out there. So go seek that stuff out. Same thing with YouTube. There's a ton of that kind of stuff. Um, and then if I do know where I'm fishing, one of the things I like to do is spend some time looking at maps. Get an idea for where they're going to be uh, based on those old fishing reports and just spend some time looking at those maps, get some spots marked, you know, put them into your unit before you get to the lake and it gives you a, a good head start. Um, if you do have time to get on the water, just spend some time driving around. You know, look at those electronics, see if you can find some things um, see if you can locate some fish, other things that are helpful, bring an underwater camera along. Uh, I tend to have one in my boat, especially this time of year. It's just good for a lot of different things. If, you know, um, earlier in this colder time frame, like by me, I find walleyes, crappies, things like that relating to wood. So I can actually drop a camera down and see what's going on down there. Um, it's good for checking water temps too. With your fishing electronics, you're only going to get that surface temperature. So if you want to get a, you know, a good idea of what's going on throughout the whole water column, you can drop that camera down and use that to figure out those different, you know, the different water temp at different depths. Yeah, I would say that's a good tip for the summertime as well, um, getting that camera down there. And sometimes it's not just seeing what's going on there, but it's getting that temperature reading. Um, yeah. You know, if anyone's ever taken a dive off the, the end of their boat in the summertime to cool off, you know, you get down 8, 10 feet, the water temperature is definitely different than the surface temp. Right. And, you know, especially a year guy that really likes to chase after those crappies, they can be super temperature sensitive in the summertime. And finding that right temperature is going to help you find those fish. You know, people don't realize, hey, you know, if you're sitting in your house in the summertime and it's a nice cool 70 degrees and then all of a sudden the air conditioner stops and it's 78, you're not comfortable. You don't like to eat and do those right. things you normally do when it's way warmer than what you like it. So 
finding well, that temperature that they like is a big deal and can really help you catch those fish. And I think this time of year, one of the things that gets skewed a lot is surface temp. So I was out last Friday, water temps were 42. I was out again on Wednesday and water temps were already 52. You know, the, the whole water itself yeah. has not actually jumped 10 degrees. It's just certain pockets and, and it's really just that top layer. So it, it can really skew what you're seeing. So it just yeah, helps definitely. to have that, that additional info. If you're fishing kind of the south end of the lake where there's not a bunch of sun compared to the north end of the lake where the sun's hitting that water, hitting those stones and sand and everything underneath of it, uh, it can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. What are you looking for, Blake, as far as structure this time of year? Also, you know, how does this kind of melt off affecting things? I know if you go not too far north, I mean, if you're heading up uh, Leech Lake area, still a ton of ice on the lakes up there i mean i don't those guys might be fishing the opener in their their ice shacks yeah it's going to be a different year um obviously that colder stuff is going to affect the spot if you're like if you're specifically targeting walleyes um it's going to be different than years before uh, i still think a lot of those fish would be shallow it just makes sense that i mean it's it is temperature driven, but I also think that there's part of it that is driven by the calendar as well. You know, the photo period drives some of those fish to spawn. So like down here by me, fish are already in that post-spawn phase, I would assume, just based on water temps and time of year. But up there, I think, you know, they might be in the earlier stages of the spawn, right in the spawn, and maybe in some instances just post-spawn. So it might be a, a colder opener, so you might have to slow things down. I, like I said, I still think relatively shallow uh, it just makes sense this time of year all right let's go on to the next topic uh using that fish house in the summertime and that's something that people are getting more and more into you know these fish houses these days that people are buying they're investing more they're getting more features they're getting something that you can definitely use as a camper and the first thing i would say to do if, if this is something you're planning on doing this summer and really you should do this anyway whether or not you're using your fish house uh, the summer or not, is just do a thorough cleaning. Um, you know, we're driving these fish houses out on the highways all winter long, salt on the road and everything else they put on the road to try to keep the ice down. And you don't want that stuff sitting on your house. Make sure you're getting underneath of it with the pressure washer or whatever it is. If you go, you know, I like to take it just to a to one of those kind of manual car washes. Get underneath there, get all the salt that you can get off of them. Uh, you want to grease that winch system. Uh, if you've got hydraulics, make sure that those are, are being maintained. Uh, grease the bearings, especially you're going to be driving. You know, a lot of times in the wintertime, we're not taking it out too far, maybe not. Um, but if we're camping, a lot of times we put more miles on it. So make sure that those bearings are good. Uh, we're also dealing with rain this time of year. You know, don't get a lot of rain uh, in January in Minnesota, but we're going to be dealing with lots of rain uh, you want to check the seals on those windows, make sure that those drains and everything are uh, cleaned up so that the water can weep out of them if it gets in there. Uh, check all the silicone, that kind of thing. Uh, if you've got water running through your house, you're going to want to you know, blow the antifreeze out of those water lines. Uh, check your pump, check your water heater. Uh, the other thing we talked about a little bit earlier, air conditioning is pretty important in the summertime. Um Whatever your air conditioning system is, however you use it, uh, make sure that you've got that. The other thing that I'll say is uh, even if you're not going to use that house in the summertime and you notice maybe something potentially going wrong over the wintertime, right now is a great time to take your fish house in to get, get it serviced. 
Uh, it's just kind of like taking your boat in to get service in November. Those guys have plenty of time to work on things right now. They're not rushed. They're not stressed. And, uh, you know, I don't know, sometimes your repair shops for wheelhouses may be giving you service deals this time of year because there's not a lot of people bringing in their houses for service, you know, in May and June. So uh, if you've got something you need to get fixed, it's going to be a lot faster turnaround right now than it will be in October or November. So uh, start thinking about that if you're going to do that. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. Pretty much everything I've got for uh, for getting those wheelhouses ready for the summer. Do you just enjoy it. I was just going to say, do you use yours a lot as a camper in the summertime too? A little bit. I, I don't use it a lot, but uh, we'll, we'll take it out three or four times. Um, it's just, it's really nice. Actually, we've got a, a beautiful ball field here in town and they have a big tournament every summer. That's, that's fun to go watch. And the campground's right next to the ball field. So we will kind of have it sit there as a base camp to, to enjoy the, the baseball facility, baseball facilities and what's going on there in the tournament. And we'll take it out a couple other times. I usually take it Turkey hunting, but uh, yeah, we uh, we're not traveling for Turkey season this year. So that's right. But yeah, it is, it's something we're seeing more and more of as people using these as all seasons. So I just want to make sure that you're kind of doing things right. If that's what you're going to do. Let's get on to some line here, Blake. Uh, as people get ready for that opener, they may be putting some new line on the reels. Uh, what should they be looking for? You know, you go there, there's lots of choices on the rack. You've got, uh, you know, mono, fluoro, braid are probably the, the three biggest ones. Tell us a little bit about those and, and what the advantages and disadvantages are. Right. So, I mean, obviously mono is kind of the, the one we all started with. It's the, the cheapest option, but it also comes in some, you know, with some, downfalls associated with it obviously there's more stretch which in some situations can be good um but uh, it's also less durable and it's it just doesn't have the invisibility factor that you know things like fluorocarbon do it's cheap if you need to spool a bunch of reels um it's definitely a good option and if you're you're not going to be fishing a ton um you know maybe you're only going to go out a few times it's a good option, but just keep in mind that it does hold memory um, a lot more than some of the other line types. So you just want to stretch it out a little bit if you're only going to be fishing a few times. Fluorocarbon, on the other hand, um, it's more expensive. I mean, they have options from you know 10 bucks all the way to over 30 in terms of fluorocarbon for a, a spool of like 150 yards. So you can spend a lot of money on that, but there's some significant advantages. Obviously, it's uh, it's less visible underwater. Uh, that's probably one of the top advantages and it's more abrasion resistant than things like mono. Uh, I personally use a lot of fluorocarbon. I do have a few setups that I use uh, monofilament on still, but primarily I'm using a combination of braid and fluorocarbon. Braid, um, it has its advantages, it has, it has its disadvantages. There's no stretch, which is good in some situations, bad in others. Um, it's obviously very visible. Uh, there's been a big trend over the last few years, I feel like, where you're seeing a lot more of this high visibility braid. Um, it's extremely durable. Uh, the nice part about braid is you can leave that on your setup for a few years, you know, maybe just strip off, you know, several yards of that. But you can keep using that for, you know, several years. Uh, so that's definitely an advantage over with braid over fluorocarbon and monofilament. Um, personally, uh, most of my panfish, most of my walleye setups, I'm using a high vis braid with a light fluorocarbon leader so you know kind of match that with what i'm fishing for panfish that's a three to four pound fluorocarbon leader 
And then, you know, with walleyes, smallmouth, things like that, that's something in that six to eight pound class. Yeah, very cool. Uh, a guide out in Ottertail County, Randon Olson, uh, actually just did a little video on what he does with his braid reels because you're putting so much line on those reels and a lot of it never, ever sees the light of day. So what he does is after a year, year and a half, is he basically runs the line right off his old reel right onto a new reel. So that yeah. way, you know, what's on the back on the old reel is now on the front. So he can basically use that line, you know, gets an extra few years out of that line really by that's doing great. that. Uh, not a lot of memory there either. Then that's kind of the other advantage with, with braid is that, uh, you know, you could do that with it. It's, it's not going to have the same memory that you're going to see with fluorocarbon and monocarbon, but I thought that was really cool. Um, so if you want to check that out, Randon Olson at Lockjaw Guide Service on Facebook, he just did the video on that, which, which I thought was pretty interesting. So yeah, it is. It's a good, super good tip. Um, speaking of tips, <laughs> it's, it's summertime and, uh, one of my favorite, uh, shops, which is down in Illinois, it's called Lake Michigan Angler. They just did a poll on their Facebook page asking if gas prices would affect their customers as far as getting out on the water and you know the lake michigan angler is more pointed towards the guys who are out fishing on the great lakes and uh, in the in the big boats and you would think that those people would be more sensitive to gas but i think they are so committed to doing what they're doing that the answer was basically gas is going to have no effect on what we do yeah. But I think maybe the weekend warrior type folks, it, it may have more impact than, than those kind of diehard folks. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about saving gas in your boat motor, uh, making sure you're, I mean, these things, these motors are getting bigger and bigger. And if you're out there blowing around in the lake, it doesn't take long to burn some gas up. No, uh, it Blake, doesn't. What are, what are some of your favorite tips for uh, saving gas? Well, I, the first thing, I guess, get a tune-up. Get it in, you know, like you said, before the season. Make sure everything's running properly because as long as things are running as efficient as they should be, that, you, you know, you're going to get the, the most bang for your buck in terms of gas. Um, also, make sure you have the right prop. Make sure, you know, the prop that you have is designed specifically for the boat motor and the application you're using it for. So there might be, you know, a different prop that you would have if you are – primarily using your boat for skiing or tubing or something versus if you're using it strictly for fishing. Um, if you can get a new motor, something that's more efficient, obviously that's, a, you know, not super cost effective initially, but in the long run, that might be, might be a good option. Um, other things just don't bring everything you have. It's the less weight you have, the, the more gas you're going to save there. Um, Use your trolling motor when you can. That's always helpful. Uh, if you're, you know, obviously you're not going to be using any gas if you're using your trolling motor. Yeah, do it, doing those kind of things. And I think that's that's something that I'm pretty guilty of is probably taking more things out on the water than I need and probably, uh, you know, just putting more of a payload in that boat than probably needs to be in there. And that's, <laughs> yep. that's another thing, you know, I know both of us kind of tend to fish some smaller lakes and, um, you know, you probably don't need a full tank of gas, you know, especially if you got a big boat, uh, probably don't need a full tank of gas every time you're going out there to do that kind of thing. Um, one of the other things that, that you should look at and quick trip, every time you check out, they ask you if you got a rewards card and a lot of these gas stations do, 
Um, it doesn't really save gas, but it'll save money on gas. Uh, get in some of those rewards programs and yeah. and save some cash on your gas when you're pumping that up. Um, the other thing I'd say is just kind of, and you talked about with props, but uh, sometimes just making sure that everybody's in the boat kind of the way they need to be so you can get up on plane quickly. Those yes. motors uh, run a lot more efficiently on plane. Uh, the other thing I guess I would say is uh, you don't have to go wide open. It's fun to go 50 miles an hour in a boat, but 30 miles an hour will get you there too and it'll get you there a lot more inexpensively. Yeah. All right, uh, last topic of the day, and this came out uh, just recently. Uh, boat buyers in 2021, we had uh, 415,000 boats sold to new boat owners, and that is uh, not a record, but it's definitely the most that we've had since uh, 2007-2008 era, and it's yep. actually slightly up from 2020. I remember 2020 going to boat launches, and it was like a madhouse and something that I had not seen in a long time where just everybody was there um you know 2021 felt to me like it was a little bit more more normal at the boat launches than 2020 but uh, i would agree with you yep i think what happened is uh, a lot of these new people saw their neighbors getting boats and said i want to try that too (laughs) i think that's exactly what it is because i have never seen so many new boats on the water it's and just lack of inventory everywhere it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's the same thing with vehicles, with uh, you know, recreational things like ATVs and side-by-sides. Those, that stuff is selling like hotcakes right now. Um, maybe not at this specific moment, but over the last couple of years, it's those are the things that people are buying. Um, not being able to do you know their typical activities, I think, is what kind of drove people to try something new. And for a lot of yeah. people, that was getting a boat. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few years as people yeah. do go back to normal. If they, you know, are not really into the boating thing, you know, we've talked about inventory and it's been, uh, you know, over the last few years, very difficult to find boats, uh, new or used. But maybe in a few years that uh, used boat market may fill up as some of these people start getting tired of seeing this boat sit in their garage if they're not using it because they're going back to soccer tournaments and these kind of things. So we should see how all that plays out. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention on that was in Wisconsin, if you are, if you're born after January 1st, 1989, you need to have voter safety. So that's something that I didn't know. It's, I don't think it's a requirement in Minnesota, uh, but it is a requirement here. So make sure you get that if you're under that age. Yeah, it's it's blows me away now as as I get older and older that uh, that number nineteen eighty nine. You're like, oh, that nineteen eighty nine. That person must be like fifteen years old. Nope, yeah. nineteen eighty nine. Now you would be uh, thirty three years old. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Start, starting to show, uh, I'm starting to be an old man now. But anyway, Blake, I really appreciate you coming on again with me uh, this week. Uh, it's fun having you along to, to do some chatting on all these different topics. Hope people are enjoying the show. If you've got some topics that you want to hear about, want to hear us discuss, uh, you can drop that on my email. It's chris at gradenoutdoor.com. That's G-R-A-Y-D-E-N outdoor.com. That's not outdoors. It's outdoor.com. Send me an email if you've got uh, some topics you'd like to hear us discuss and we'll try to get into that for you uh for blake i'm chris thanks for listening thanks for watching this week we'll see you next week